More and more people are moving to cities, and that's going to affect almost every industry. We are very cautious and very aware to make a conscious effort to work with the ecosystem. What can the average person do to take action now? Not one person can change the world, but if we all do a little something different, it might help. Being open to embracing innovation. Know that you can make a difference. A absolutely. There's no excuse not to even do a little bit. Let's go check it out. Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to Going Green. As always, we appreciate it. A real quick shout out to our sponsor, Triwa. Triwa is a watch company that creates watches made from recycled plastic and deconstructed metal from guns. Uh, they're doing awesome things. They are my favorite watch company. I wear a lot of watches, I collect watches, and I have not taken off my watch from them since I received it, it's amazing. So if you are looking for a cool watch with a good cause uh, or as a gift, check out Triwa, triwa.com. They are an amazing company and let's get right back to that amazing content. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Going Green. I am really excited to share uh, the story and talk to our guest today. She's done amazing things, has a really cool story, has done a ton of just awesome life experiences and then has kind of rolled that into a really sustainable company and career. Um, so I'm very excited to introduce Ali Detrio, the founder and chief strategist at Reimagine Power. Ali, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Dylan. It's great to be here um, and great to connect with all of the audience here on Going Green. Yeah, I appreciate you, you know, taking time out of your day. So let's kind of dive right into it. You have a really interesting sort of background and career in sustainability. So tell us, you know, sort of from the very beginning, where does your passion come from and kind of what led you into what you're working on today? Yeah, thanks. Great question. Um, so uh, the it all started with, um, I'm born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, Midwestern town. I didn't realize at the time that I would grow into have such a passion for sustainability and renewable energy, but one could say that um, intuitively, uh, growing up a mile away from a coal plant, um, that I was destined to do something with uh, clean energy. Um, so growing up, uh, you know, cross those railroad tracks every day, never really thought anything of it, totally normal, um, you know, being in a small Midwestern town. Um, but when I was 18, I moved to Arizona and went to Arizona State University in Tempe. Um, I actually started out in civil and environmental engineering, um, being practical, you know, taking out some student loans. I wanted to make sure that I could get a degree that was quote unquote useful according to my parents. Um, so I went into engineering and there were a lot of things that I really liked about engineering. I really liked structures. I really liked the technical aspects. Um, however, I really wasn't cut out to be an engineer. And so after two and a half years, um, I kind of, uh, succumb to the understanding that I was going to be a weed out engineering student and was trying to figure out what the next steps were for me, um, just knowing that engineering wasn't uh, the passion that I wanted to pursue as a career. Um, at that time, the Global Institute of Sustainability at ASU was just created and they had their first opening um, for four-year bachelor's programs in sustainability. And one of my friends who was also uh, having a similar uh, engineering lead out experience to myself said, hey, there's this brand new first of its kind in the world program called sustainability that I'm going to join. And it seems pretty cool. You should probably look into it. I think you'd like it too. So I was like, okay, cool. Um, 
I looked at sustainability. Uh, it seemed like a really cool field. And I really liked that there were so many different avenues in which you could pursue sustainability. And this was back when not that many people knew about sustainability. It was really new. Um, it was up and coming. Uh, and so ASU's program was pretty sparse. It had a number of different tracks. They had three tracks. It was the um, economics, environmental, and then engineering. And you actually had to get a minor as part of your requirements to join the program because they didn't have enough classes to fill a four-year program. So I thought, great, I can finally choose some classes um, versus engineering uh, curriculum was very rigid, had you know, basically every, every class picked out for the program. So I decided to switch into uh, sustainability and I ended up doing the economics track thinking I should probably get some business sense uh, and since I hadn't had any at that point and I made the jump into the program. I do remember thinking to myself at the time, man, I really hope I can get a job to pay off these student loans when I graduate. I don't know what I'm doing yet, but hopefully I'll be able to figure it out and this is a, you know, a good move for the career. Um, but that was a real fear at the time, you know, not really understanding what kind of career pathways were out there, but after jumping into the program, I fell in love with sustainability. I really loved, um, just the dynamic and evolving nature of the field, so many different pathways to pursue. And so I learned everything from renewable energy to sustainable urban development and globalization, the circular economy, um, environmental studies, um, public policy, so many different things. And it was really rewarding. And then what ha I ended up finding um, that I really liked water and energy. Um, I also thought to myself, again, trying to be practical, what are these two things people need more than anything else in this world? Water and power in the modern world. So um, I decided that I was gonna focus on those um, aspects because I would at least have some job security um, going into one of those fields. And so I actually settled on water because Arizona, uh, you know, being in a desert, having um, a very robust groundwater management plan, it was really interesting field to be in. And I landed a job at the Salt River Project, which is a large municipal utility that did both water and power in Metro Phoenix. And I loved working there and I ended up getting a job in the Department of Water Rights and Contracts and Research Archives. And so that was unknowingly my first real forte into um, a career in policy. And so I worked there for a year and a half, got to do some really great research projects on groundwater replenishment, um, water rights and policy, and it was really rewarding. Um, however, after a period of time, uh, my contract ended and they encouraged me to look at the power sector because in the water side, it was a very competitive job market and I didn't have 10 years of water policy experience and a master's degree in that field. So um, eventually I had to go look elsewhere. Um, but I did really decide at that moment that I wanted to look into the energy side of the house um, because I was very interested in renewables and seeing where that path would take me. Um, and that led me to getting a job at a really well-known solar company, um, also in Tempe, uh, where I worked as a contractor for a few months to get my feel for the field um, and really liked the subject matter, um, but didn't like that particular position that I was in. And so then I went to go work for um, a nonprofit that was focused on um, energy education um, and research. So I actually ended up building 
an energy education website and resource for other students that were looking to go into energy sustainability, conservation, um, power systems engineering. And it was funded by a grant from the Department of Energy. So that was a really rewarding job and I really liked that. And so I did that for about two years, I believe. Um, and then from there, I went to work for another solar company and I got my uh, feet wet in sales. Um, and that's when I really got interested in the California market because at the time, the California solar market had just kicked off um, and net energy metering was really allowing for the California market to expand its solar adoption. So I learned all about um, rate design, net metering, um, public policy in that regard. Um, and did that for a year and a half. And then I actually went back to the nonprofit and did sales and business development and research again. Um, and then at that time, I started realizing that if I wanted to be in renewables, um, I really wanted to move to California and kind of be where the action was. And so that led me to moving to California and to San Francisco, where I reside now. Um, and continuing to um, grow and expand in the renewables field. And so I went to work for another company. This time it was a global independent power producer, largest provider of energy services in the world, um, where I went to do um, market research and competitive intelligence. And that spun into uh, a big focus on policy and regulation, where I then became our manager of government regulatory affairs um, and really uh, focused on advocacy, policy, intelligence, and market strategy for distributed energy resources of all types. So solar, battery storage, microgrids, energy efficiency, um, lots of different technologies and focus areas. It was really a wonderful experience. And so that's really where I got to first focus on microgrids, which is my primary focus today at Reimagine Power is microgrid policy and regulation, rate design, um, legislative affairs, um, developing distributed energy resources and a more decentralized, democratized energy system. Uh, so after working at that company for four years, um, I am proud to have started uh, Reimagine Power and uh, we're a small but growing uh, consulting firm based in San Francisco. Um, and yeah, those are our main focus areas now. So it's been a really, rewarding journey thus far and it's a very exciting time to be in the industry that's amazing honestly like it's that's such an inspirational path and so one of my all-time favorite quotes is fortune favors the bold which is basically like making strategic but also kind of risky decisions that you know you think will pay off and that's kind of like the trajectory i've seen with your career very smart but like bold moves and even it started at asu when you're like I'm interested in sustainability. There's this new program. It's so new, it doesn't even have a full course list, but you also made very smart strategic decisions along the way. For example, studying you know the economic side of things because right now there's billions, if not almost trillions of dollars on the line when it comes to the renewable energy space. So it's, yeah, sustainability, saving you know the planet, being smart, but also the financial side of it. And then doing different, you know, taking different jobs and careers and opportunities with different sort of, you know, industries, water, then power, then solar, um, consulting, business development. So building kind of this arsenal of tools that you have, and then ultimately, you know, launching your own business, which for those of you who tune into this, you know, this show, I'm a huge advocate for entrepreneurship. I think, you know, some of the most influential people 
in this world are entrepreneurs who have a vision for where the future is going to be and going out and starting a business and making it happen. So that's a really awesome career path that you've taken. And I know Reimagined Power is still relatively new in the grand scheme of things, but at the same time, so is you know sustainability and so is renewable energy and clean technology. And it's only going to get more and more impactful and more and more financially you know impactful on the world so you're you really set yourself up for like the perfect position i can only imagine reimagine power will continue to grow and you know be successful what are you kind of working on now in terms of being you know the founder and the chief strategist of the company what are kind of the day-to-day -day processes who are you kind of working with and what are your where does your passion lie both on the the sort of consulting side but also the entrepreneurial side too yeah, absolutely. Great question, Dylan. Um, so one of the things that I really love is kind of getting down in the weeds with clients on strategy. And so uh, I have a few clients right now where we're in the process of developing a policy strategy and roadmap for their companies. And so some of these companies are smaller. They're also startups and growing in their own way, um, have their own focus areas with clean technology um, and sustainable energy. So I've really enjoyed kind of working with them on developing this roadmap and how they're gonna get engaged, whether that's in legislative affairs and hiring a lobbyist or getting actually influencing bills and regulations, um, or more focused on the regulatory side of the house and the intelligence side, meaning understanding um, how policy impacts their business, strategically engaging in different regulatory proceedings to make their voice heard and you know, kind of get their company out there almost like a marketing tool in a way by helping to influence regulations that both benefit their business, but also as a thought leadership opportunity um, and really helping them you know, drive that strategy forward so they can see both making better business decisions that will help them grow, but also helping to engage their customers um, and making sure that their customers understand the impacts of policies and regulations on their business. So that's one of my favorite things to work on um, as the chief strategist. Um, I am working on growing the company as of right now too. So um, there is some day-to-day -day administrative and operations um, focus areas that I have uh, with bringing some folks on board. Um, and we just launched a newsletter that I'm really excited about um, called The Bolt, <laughs> since I really like the lightning bolt as my uh, logo. And so that has been fun kind of getting to do a lot more of my own thought leadership pieces, um, thinking about how the design of, the, of it should look and how it will change over time. So those are some of my big focus areas. And then additionally, continuing to do what I love so much, which is the policy and advocacy work, getting out there in the field and you know talking with different policymakers, with regulators, with different stakeholder groups um, about microgrids, sustainable energy policy, and the things that we need to do to really build this clean energy future, as well as modernize our grid so that everyone has a chance to really participate in this transition that we're going through. So those are some of the big things that I've been working on. Um, there's probably a million things I'm, I'm forgetting and I won't bore you with all the day-to-day -day stuff, um, but I really do enjoy kind of getting down in the weeds um, and working with individual clients on um, their different priorities and strategic initiatives. So it's been a fun, fun time this far in the new year.
Very cool. That's, that's the part of the, the business founder life is working with the clients, but also taking care of the day-to-day -day stuff. So this might be a very sort of general question, but like in your experience and, you know, the companies and clients you worked with, how does policy affect companies? Like that's not something I'm very familiar with and it's something that you've probably done a lot of. So for like the average company that you're kind of working with, how can working with policymakers have an impact on their company? Oh, excellent question. And it definitely varies depending on the company, but with energy and um, my focus on energy policy, the energy industry is one of the most highly regulated industries in the world. It's up there with, you know, healthcare, insurance, finance. Um, so energy is something that's very highly regulated and that's because it's considered to be, at least in the United States, a public good. So there's a lot of involvement from policymakers and regulators in the industry decisions that happen. And so as companies, if you're trying to build projects or grow your customer base, understanding how those policies and regulations really impact your business because it's a public good is critically important. Now, policy and regulation for energy changes all the time. It's continuous and evolving. So keeping up to speed on how those policies and regulations change and potentially impact your business is critically important. And that can be in both positive and negative ways. Um, one thing that I work with a lot of clients on is how do you take advantage of incentives that may be available at the state level. So for example, California um, has a really great incentive program called the Self-Generation Incentive Program, where um, you have uh, rebates available for energy storage and some other renewable generation technologies. And so I've worked with clients to help them figure out how do we take advantage of those types of funds, both for when they're existing, but also, you know, giving clients the heads up on when we think new money might be available that they might be able to take advantage of, which can help them with new business development opportunities, securing new clients. How do we message to potential customers of theirs, um, you know, what these incentives are and how you apply for them, how you can actually reduce the cost of your projects. Um, since I do work with a lot of developers or um, clean tech startups that take advantage of grants and incentives. That's one thing. And also talk about how rate design, how different regulations might negatively impact your business. Um, the big hallmark uh, solar policy net metering in California, that's undergoing um, some examination by the Public Utilities Commission this year, potentially might reduce the value of solar and how projects are financed. And so understanding how those regulations might change, what that decreased value might, um, how that might impact projects, very important for companies. So, you know, understanding how different regulations can both positively or negatively impact your business is crucial. And if you don't have someone that's paying attention to all of these different proceedings, different bills that are in the legislature that um, stakeholders are considering, staying ahead of that game makes it easier to play the game and it makes it so that you have a better chance of winning the game. Of course, there's no guarantees, um, but that's one thing I say is, policy is like playing a game and the more that you understand the rules of the game, the better shot you have at winning. And so that's one of the critical, um, things about staying engaged in policy and regulation, especially for a regulated environment like the energy industry. I can only imagine how much information is out there and how many things are constantly changing. I love how you're right on sort of that combination of 
business, energy, politics, and how it all kind of comes together. Um, so you're really like in the know of everything that's happening. Where do you kind of see, you know, the overall industry, renewable energy going in 10 years? And also like, where do you see yourself going in the next five, 10 years? Oh, great question. So uh, I think that a few things. I think that software is really going to drive um, exponential growth in renewable energy and really allow us to achieve kind of a smart grid and modernized grid of the future that's really going to drive a lot of new technologies and new project deployments all across the United States. Um, but I do think the electric grid is undergoing a big transformation and software is going to be a big driver of allowing a lot of these newer technologies to plug and play on the grid. So I'm really excited about the future of software and how that really modernizes our grid, which is, you know, roughly a hundred plus years old at this point. You know, we've been using technologies that are not new for, you know, decades. And so with the advent of software and software applied to the energy sector, I think that's really going to drive a lot of new innovation um, and growth and advancement in the sector. So that's one thing that I'm really excited about. I think another thing too is that I think customers are really getting a lot more engaged in how they use energy versus, you know, in years past, it was really about one way flow of power from big power plants to the end users. We pay a bill, we kind of don't really know what we're paying for, but we know that the lights are gonna stay on, our air conditioning is gonna run. Now we have smart thermostats. We have people wanting to install solar and batteries in their home, electric vehicles. Um, different technologies now allow for customers to get a lot more engaged. And so now all of a sudden they really care a lot more. It's become a lot more tangible for them. And so I think we're going to see a shift to a more democratized energy future where customers really want to make choices both in the individual level, but also at the community level about where their power is coming from, how it's sourced, what technologies are used. So I think the clean transformation when it comes to these technologies is really going to be driven by customers and communities. And so we're going to see a more uh, transformation of, you know, kind of how power is sourced. And so the utilities who have traditionally been, you know, the caretakers of the grid um, are going to have to play a new role as well with keeping their customers engaged and making sure that they remain satisfied. So I think there's going to be this transformation of the utility business model um, as well and how energy is produced and consumed with customers and communities really driving that change. So I'm really excited about that as part of the energy future. So over the next 10 years, I really see a more decentralized, democratized, and digitized um, grid that allows for everyone to dynamically participate. You know, hopefully one day we'll be able to trade energy with our neighbors. I think blockchain technology really has a lot of opportunity to revolutionize how we share energy with our neighbors. So those are some of the things that I'm really excited about over the next 10 years. And where I see myself playing a role is really trying to continue to educate policymakers and regulators about all of these opportunities, really demonstrate through, you know, sharing how my clients are working on different um, clean energy projects, how different policies and regulations can really help them innovate our way to this clean energy future that we need. And really remind everyone that we don't have a lot of time to make this transition. We really are still not on a great path to reducing greenhouse gas emissions. I think we need to go a lot faster in 
cleaning up our grid, reducing emissions through transportation um, and power generation, both of those things are still light years beyond where they really need to be so that we avoid the most catastrophic impacts of climate change. And so I really wanna play a role in motivating and educating policymakers and regulators on what is needed to allow the innovation to solve our problems. And um, so over the next five to 10 years, those are some of the things that I uh, see myself doing and continuing to play a role um, in this transition and also empowering customers, communities, and project developers to really play a part in policy and regulation. Because um, the more that we're all engaged in communicating with each other, I think the more, the more progress can happen quicker. I couldn't agree more. Honestly, you hit on seriously amazing information. And you know, I want to be mindful of your time. We're going to wrap up pretty soon. But seriously, we'll have to have you come back on the show and probably multiple times because really we could dive into so many different topics you touched upon. Um, in so much more depth and detail. So I guess, and you kind of touched on this on your last answer, but as we do wrap this up, what sort of one piece of advice, you know, you would want to give to the average person, the average consumer, and then also someone, you know, whether it's a policymaker or a CEO of their own company to kind of get involved as well. What are some, some piece of advice you could share with us? Yeah, absolutely. I think the number one thing that individual people can do is to get involved in the political process in whatever way you can, whether that's going to a local city council meeting, writing your state legislator, um, talk, you know, joining a grassroots organization on an issue you care about, whether it's energy or anything else. I think really getting engaged in your small way, all of those small engagements really add up to something bigger. And policymakers really do listen to constituents. They like hearing from individual people who are on the ground living, you know, living in our reality every day. So I think that's one big thing. And for businesses that are looking to get more engaged in the political process, understanding policy and regulation, you know, I think getting involved is also a good thing. So again, writing your legislator, attending a meeting, you know, if you are, if you do have a policy team, that is a really helpful thing to have. Or if you need help with developing policy strategies, um, please reach out to Reimagine Power, um, and I would be happy to help you get started on your own policy strategy. Yeah, honestly, if uh, for anyone listening, tuning in, Ali is obviously an expert in the space. I mean, I love how you just casually dropped out like blockchain technology. Like that's a whole other multiple episode conversation that we could go into. Uh, but again, it's it's really interesting to see, you know, and you walking us through sort of this step-by-step -step process of your career to where you are today and how every single step along the way sort of added to your, you know, your knowledge base. And now you're out there doing really exciting things. Um, so again, if you're listening, watching, reach out to Ali and it's reimagine-power.com to get in touch. Awesome. Yeah, that's correct. Cool. Allie, thank you for being here today and we'll seriously get you back on the show. Like awesome stuff. We're, we're only scratching the surface. So I'm excited to chat even further. Great. Thanks for having me, Dylan. And thanks for all the audience listening at Going Green. Appreciate it. And again, yeah, thank you uh, to those of you who are tuning in. We appreciate your support. We appreciate all of the, the content sharing, the comments and everything. Um, our goal is to talk to people like Allie leaders in the renewable energy, clean tech, sustainable space that are doing exciting things on the forefront of policy, technology, entrepreneurship, everything. And just 
dive a little bit into their world and get some information from them and, you know, hopefully apply it to our lives and, uh, and live a little bit more sustainably. So again, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode of Going Green.